0: listen, guys, we are continuing the series that we started last week entitled God at the box office because here's why. Again, it seems almost like an oxymoron to think that you could ever find God at the box office, right? I mean, we think if we want to find God, we got to go to church. And, and it's true. This is a place that we can come and worship and celebrate. But the reality is that God makes his presence known in a lot of really unique times, places, and seasons in our life And because the Bible says that God hides eternity in our hearts, I said this last week, you know, I believe unintentionally that there are people, there are producers, there are directors, there are writers who unintentionally write in biblical truths in their movies. And I said this last week, you know, man, I love watching movies. I love being the guy that's the loudest. I love being the guy who shouts out and makes the most noise. And uh, there are some great motivational quotes in movies. Anybody here ever watch a movie and like you walk out of the theater, like anybody here walk out with a new attitude? Like, you walk in, like, I'm going to watch a movie, and you're just eating popcorn, but you walk out like, I can take the world. Like, I mean, this is like, you walk out a new person. Why? Because it's a movie, but God's using that to stir your heart. Great movie quotes. Here's a couple of them real quick. This is, this is old time, but it's got some stank on it still, right? Right? Do or do not do. There is no try. I mean, it's like, come on, high five. I mean, you got to get down there, but high five. Right? Here's another one. I like this. This is, this is, this is one. Anybody here, especially sports movies, like you can watch a sports movie and man, you can leave like, I've never played football, but I can play football after watching Remember the Titans, right? Remember the scene, like it's the big game and the defensive line coach, right? He's there and he's in the face. He says, I don't want them to get one more yard. If they cross the line of scrimmage, I'm taking every one of you out. You got to blitz them all night long and you make sure they remember forever the night they played the Titans. I'm like, I, gotta, like, I just want to go watch the Titans. You know what I mean? So there's like so much motivation. And I'm from the Rocky generation. I mean like the original. Anybody here remember like you're like a 70s kid, 80s kid. Like you walked out of a theater believing you could mo- you could like knock out Apollo Creed. Like you just walk out like, you know, like you got it. Because there's something about Sylvester Stallone. Whew. It's the crooked mouth thing he's got going. I don't know what it is. But he said this in a recent movie, it's not how hard you can hit, it's how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. It's like, yeah, like I've been hit, but I got to keep moving forward. And because you can't get too much Balboa, I brought two to the table today. Every champion was once a contender that refused to give up. Yeah. Here's one, like it really doesn't have a lot of spunk on it, but there's a lot of you in this room. You've said this. I would dare say most of you in this room have repeated this line at one time or another. Run, Forrest. Run. Anybody here ever quoted that to themselves when they're actually running? Help me. Like, I don't have much in the tank, so like I got to pull from whatever. Run, Steve. Run. Like, it's these things that just kind of keep going, and it was already in our game But kind of one of the ones, again, this is something that doesn't have a lot on it, but like we tend to quote it, we say it, kind of comes up every now and then, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. Like, it's like, yeah, I just got to keep going. How many of you remember the movie Finding Nemo? How many of you actually seen that movie? Can you believe it's been 13 years? The amount of time you went from kindergarten to graduating high school is the same amount of time since Finding Nemo came out. I just came today to make you feel old. Let's pray and go home. 13 years ago. And so it comes out right after Finding Nemo. Here we are, and we're in the Finding Dory generation. And uh, if you've not seen the movie Finding Dory, great kids movie, kind of here's, here's the theme. I know, I'm curious, how many of you guys have seen Finding Dory? I got to ask, how many of you went, Your parents, and you went because you had to take your kids? How many of you went because you just wanted to see Finding Dory? I need to see part two of Finding Nemo. If you've not seen the movie it just continues about a year after late about a year after where Finding Nemo leaves off right so there's this little clownfish finding dory is this blue tang fish and uh, has this sh- like short term memory thing which I can totally relate like watching Finding Dory I can be like yeah I mean like we're kindred spirits like me and Finding Dory Dory because I can just be in a conversation, this is true, I hate to admit this, I have so much on my plate at times, I can tell somebody, hey, guess what, and before I get what out of my mouth, like, I forget what the what was, but I remember at two o'clock in the morning, I'm like, anybody here, like, shoot out of bed at like two, like, I remember, the name of the actor in the movie was. So, Finding Dory has this whole memory loss thing going on, but here's really the thrust of the movie, this is the whole plot line in a nutshell, is early on in the movie, even though Dory has kind of been adopted into the family, Nemo's family, she's got a new job, she's got like this whole thing, all of a sudden she remembers that she has a family. Like she remembers there's a mom and dad out there somewhere and she decides to leave what's comfortable to go pursue what's exceptional. Like she decides like, I'm gonna let go. Like I could stay here. I could just live here and kind of be happy here, but I wanna go find my parents. I wanna go find. And she leaves kind of what she's been familiar with. She leaves what she's comfortable with and she pursues this whole different lifestyle to get something better. And for me, man, I love that because I really identify With this fish, because for me, I never want to settle for what life gives me. Like, I want what God has for me. Some of you guys have heard my story, and I won't share it, but you know, I pursued electrical engineering. I'm just kind of naturally gifted in math and some science, and so I never really had to study hard. I was almost three years, in fact, I'm just about 20 some credits away from an electrical engineering degree, but I knew that God had called me to ministry. I knew that God put a call in my life to stand on platforms like this and pastor people like you. And even though it wasn't easy to pursue, Even though it was challenging and uphill, I wanted like what God had for me. I wanted like, I wanted my destiny. Like I wanted purpose. I wanted something bigger than what I could get on my own. I wanted what only God could give me. And so when I think about Dory leaving again, everything that she was familiar with, leaving everything she was comfortable with, like I look at that and I think like, that's who I want to continue to be. Like I I, I don't ever want to settle. I don't ever want to just kind of, just kind of live what's easy. I don't ever want to just live what's convenient. And I'm just telling you, I do it sometimes. Sometimes I I hijack myself. Has anybody here ever been on a good path and hijacked yourself? Come on. This past week, I I hijacked myself. You know, part of being a pastor is having influence with people, loving people, making connections with people. And I got to ask, I need some feedback here. So y'all know I'm from the North. And being from the North, there's a little bit of difference from the South. And sometimes I'm not really sure at times. I think like I figured it out and then I realize there are some things like we do things still different. So there's a, there's a policy. It's unwritten. Like you can't turn anywhere. There's no codes, but it's an unspoken policy in the North that if you're waiting for a parking spot and you're sitting there with your blinker on and the car pulls out, that's yours because you were there with your... Now that's in the North. Here I found out in the South, at least this is what Archie told me, so I just need some feedback for future reference of influence. He said, no, that's not true. Here in the South, it's whoever gets there first gets it. (laughs) So this past Friday night, we went downtown. How many people know you can never find a parking spot downtown? I found a great parking spot. So I'm sitting there, probably 30 seconds, waiting for my... I'm like waiting to pull in to this spot. There are some details I'm leaving out, but don't listen to Archie when he tells it. And so I'm sitting there, my blinker's on, and this car's pulling out, and I'm waiting. There's nobody behind me. And this car pulls out, and as soon as they pull out, another car's coming that direction and, like, starts to whip in, to which I politely beep, beep, beep. It was a polite beep. It wasn't like a, It was just a beep, beep, beep. And the lady rolls her window down and says, what? And I said, I was going to take that spot. She said, well, I didn't see you. And I said, well, you see me now. I said it nicer than it sounds like I just said it. Or just like that. I'm not sure, but I'm like, will you see me now? And she said, fine, take it. And I was like, I will, thank you. And she left. (laughs) Now, wait, wait, wait. I felt very vindicated. Like, this is my spot. I had my blinker on. I was here first. She tried to take what belonged to me, and I just refused to let her have it. Now, I was right, but Pastor Adam preached a great message. If you didn't listen to it Wednesday, I did the right thing. (laughs) I just didn't do the wise thing. Cause I went in and like the husky DNA in me, like like we just fight to be right. And like I'm like I'm right. I was there first. And like the more my wife talks and the more Archie talks, I'm like that lady's never coming to Faith Church. <laughs> and if she comes to Faith Church, she is never staying. And I like I kept waiting to get back to my car, thinking like I'm gonna find my windshield smashed. <laughs> i'm gonna find a note like it really wasn't that bad but i started thinking gosh like that probably really rubbed her the wrong way so i just want to say if you happen to be here we're a large shirts so a lot of people come here we are i know y'all are connected to a lot of people so if you hear a lady tell a story about a guy in a blue durango that was a jerk please extend secondhand my apologies i would love to buy her lunch a gift card wherever she is i mean that from the bottom of my heart because i want to be a person of influence not a person who's right so hear me guys again so dory she wants to pursue something better than what she has. And I just want to ask the question, how many of you here are busy right now pursuing your dreams? Like I know you, you have a life. I know that you're living a life. I know you're waking up to a job. I know you're in relationships. But how many of you in this room are really pursuing passionately your destiny, your purpose, like what you were created for? How many of you are fighting maybe against the current to go get what God has for you? Let me just maybe give you some ways to know if you've settled in If you wake up every morning Hating the day that's ahead of you. You may be just settled If you're exhausted, I mean like you can get a good night's sleep, but you're just exhausted Like you live exhausted Maybe just maybe you're not really living the purpose and the dream and the destiny for your life If you try to convince yourself you're happy, but you're not really happy. Maybe you settled Because Jesus said this, Jesus said, I've come to give you life. Everybody shout life. I've come to give you life and life in super abundance, life more abundantly, life that's overflowing. Now think about that. Jesus said, I've come to give you something, which means you can't have it on your own. It has to be something that comes from him. So God has a gift for us. But really, again, the reality is, I think a lot of us have missed it. Think about the disciples, right? So they're fishermen. A lot of them are fishermen. Most of the disciples were fishermen. And Jesus comes along and he says, hey, listen, I know you've been fishing for fish, but come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Which means they sacrificed a generational business to pursue something that wasn't easy, but it was excellent. To pursue something that was bigger than themselves. And these guys, here we are, guys, 2,000 years later, and we know their names, we can talk about Peter, and we can talk about John, and we can talk about Andrew. Do you know why? Because they didn't live with what was comfortable. They didn't kind of hang in with just whatever life handed them. They just made this decision that, like, I want something more out of life. I want the life that Jesus came to give. And so, man, they, they go on and they pursue it. How many people have seen the commercials on TV for, uh, for Direct TV a lot of advertisements about the settlers. If you've not seen these commercials, they're hilarious. Basically, it's like there's high-speed internet available, there's better cable available, but people have settled. And like they paint the picture of these people living like an 1800s lifestyle. It's kind of like this whole comedic routine, like, hey, there's something better, but you settled. There's something greater, but you've decided not to pursue it. Like I look at that and I think, how many of us in this room are living a life that we have settled for something less than we can have? Settled for something less than we were created for. Settled for something less than what God has for you. Like I can think of lots of areas in this room, and and maybe this is you, where you've settled, where you've missed the mark. Like here's what I just wanna tell you, listen, never settle for the familiar when you can have the favorable. Everybody shout favor. I want you to know that God wants to put favor on your life. And the reason a lot of us aren't experiencing God's favor is because we've settled for what's easy, We've settled for what's familiar. We've settled kind of just, we don't want to fight. We don't want to push. And so we just kind of settled. Maybe you've settled in relationships. You know, a lot of people, man, they just, the thought of being alone frightens people. The thought of not finding someone to live life with is a scary thought. So I talk to people all the time who have kind of settled in a relationship. Instead of waiting for the God-given relationship, instead of waiting for the best relationship, like they just settle. If you're here and you're dating somebody that's not 100% in, you've settled. If they're non-committal, if they're non-sacrificial, like then you've settled. If you're here and you're with somebody that's not giving you 100%, you've settled. Listen, if you don't think they give you a lot now, wait until you marry them. Come on, somebody. Like It's just, just kind of sometimes tapers off a little bit. If you're here with somebody and they don't have the same passion that you have for relationship with Christ, you've settled. Like, I think you should find somebody who loves you. Women, I just want you to know, you should find a man who treats you like a queen, who puts you on a pedestal, who elevates you above every other relationship besides the relationship with Christ. Guys, you should be in a relationship with a girl who pushes you towards Christ and doesn't pull you towards the bedroom. And a lot of times we settle because we're afraid to be alone. You know, that in the Old Testament, there's right in the beginning, God creates Adam, and then he says this. He said, hey, it's not good for man to be alone. I'm going to make a helpmate for him. Imagine if you waited for the helpmate that God made for you instead of the one you got on your own because you were afraid to be alone. All of us in this room, we know people that have settled, settled in relationships. Maybe you're here in your marriage, like, isn't in a great spot because you've settled. I'm not saying that you couldn't come tell me your story about right how your spouse is treating you or what they're doing But i'm just saying that if you're in that relationship, you have influence in that marriage You have input in that marriage and I just want you to know if your marriage is not in the place that you want it to be Don't settle for the familiar Like just decide i'm gonna have the favorable i'm gonna do what I can do in the context of my marriage to have an incredible marriage Come on everybody shout don't settle Don't settle for second best don't settle for less We do it in our careers There's a lot of us in this room. Maybe you graduated college and You got a degree you had an idea going into college what it is you wanted to do Like you had this picture you had this dream like this is what i'm going to do Like this is the business i'm going to start or or this is the field i'm going to get into Like think about it when you were a kid no kid starts off with small dreams you never ask a six-year-old, hey, what do you want to do when you grow up? No six-year-old ever says, hey, I want to work at a fast food place, and I don't want to do something mediocre, and I want to, I want to meet somebody that really treats me like garbage because it's going to be awesome. Like every 6 year olds like, I'm going to go to the moon. Like I'm going to change the world. I'm going to be president. And something happens between the dreams that we have as a little child. Like to, we start facing uphill battles. We start facing challenges. Life starts to get a little tough, and so we just start settling. We stop pushing. We stop dreaming. We stop believing that we can have the best. And we do it in our careers. Again, some of us here, man, you're in a job. It's paying the bills. But be honest, you wake up, you hate your job. You think it's your boss. You think maybe it's your supervisor. Really, you're in a, and it's not really a dead-end job because it's a dead-end job. It's a dead-end job for you because it's not really what your heart is. It's not your passion. It's not what you were created for. And so maybe you're here and you've settled in your career. There's a great quote by Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs, he said this, and the only way to do great work is to love what you do. If you haven't found it yet, keep looking. Don't settle. As with all other matters of the heart, you'll know it when you find it. I think of people, man, in this room, maybe you settle with your finances. I'm gonna meddle just a little bit, all right? Because there's people that, you know, I know a lot of families that are struggling and they're going from paycheck to paycheck, Maybe you're here and you're living from like check cashing place to check cashing place. Maybe you're living from credit card to credit card. And like you figured out the system, how to pay the bills, but there's always this stress, stress and there's always this pressure and there's always this like weight on you because financially your life is upside down, you're underwater, you're struggling. I just want you to know today that you don't have to settle for the mess in your life I just want you to know that jesus this is my message today Is that jesus came to give you life in life more abundantly God came to give you an incredible life in your resources in your finances in your career in your relationship Jesus came to change and transform who you are and to give to you what you could never have on your own life And so he's got to say like just don't settle Don't settle for the familiar when you can have the favorable. Don't just kind of just give in. Again, we do it like in all these different areas of our lives. And again, the struggle for me is like, I just refuse. Like I just refuse for me. And there's areas I'm not perfect. And there's areas I still struggle. But like every day I want to wake up and I say, God, I want what you have for me. I was having a conversation with my wife a couple weeks ago. And I said, babe, and I want you to take this bad. Like I I wrestle with saying this, but I want you to be challenged by this. My wife and I was talking, I said, baby, it seems like so many people we know, like their lives are crazy. Like, I, I don't feel like I know a lot of people that when they look at their personal lives, they're happy. Like either their marriages are crazy, their kids are out of control, they're financially in trouble, they're in careers they hate. Like there's all this chaos and drama. There's some drama with their mama, right? There's all this garbage going on. And I looked at my wife and I'm like, babe, we're good. Like we got a good marriage. I mean, she married up, right? <laughs> it's my story. I can tell it how I want. Like we had a great marriage, man. We got great kids. Our kids aren't perfect, but our kids are good, man. They, they work hard. They study hard. Like they're like other kids. At times they don't get along. At times they don't make great decisions. But I mean, overall, we got great kids Financially, like we're not buried in debt, our bills are paid. We're not worrying about how the bills are going to get paid. Like I look at my life, and I'm like every day, I'm like I'm good. Like I have a great life. I have a great calling. I've got a great God's given me the privilege of pastor a great church. And I'm looking around, and I was telling Donna the same story. My assistant, and you know what she said to me? She said, "You know why, Pastor?" She said, "Because ever, after having worked with you, she said you refuse to settle." You refuse and you've decided you're gonna fight. And so that's what I wanted to come and tell you today. Like, you gotta be like Dory. You gotta look at your life and say, it's okay. Like, my life is good, but what area of your life, what place in your life have you decided, like, there is something better than what you've been handed? Like, because here's what I want everybody in this room to know. You can live the life you have or you can choose a different life. You can have the life that, that you've been dealt or you can decide you want the life that God has for you. And you can have it in every area that we're talking about today and then some. But here's the challenge is you gotta make a decision to fight for it. We're gonna look at some scriptures real quick and we're gonna run through some. In the Old Testament, the first five books of the Bible are called the Pentateuch, the Pentateuch. First five books of the Bible, they're books all written by Moses. In the books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, it means five scrolls, penty five, five scrolls. And if you're not familiar with the Bible or maybe you've read it and you kind of wonder, because especially when you get into like Leviticus, like it can get crazy, like animals are getting slaughtered, like it can get crazy quick in God's word at any time. If you've never read the Bible or maybe you was told it was boring, you've never read the Bible because like there's some drama, there's some sex. It's better than the movies. There's like murder, there's mystery, like there's a lot of crazy stuff in the word. First five books start in Genesis from creation all the way to, To this story where god picks this guy by the name of abraham And it's like one continuous story genesis exodus leviticus numbers and deuteronomy first five books of the bible God picks this guy by the name of abraham and he tells abraham. Hey, i'm going to do something really phenomenal in your life We're going to come back to him in a minute And he takes this guy abraham and ultimately raises a nation out of this one guy like this one couple, Abraham and Sarah, God produces because they have kids and their kids have kids and their kids' kids have kids. They have this entire generation. They have this create this entire nation. And some of you know the story. If you've been in church for a while, they end up in Egypt. It's not a vacation. Like they're not there with their passports. Even though they're there, they end up as slaves. 400 years, God sends, uh, God sends Moses to be the deliverer of the nation of Israel. And when they go out of Egypt... Into this place called the wilderness on the way to the promised land. God shows up and gives them the law, the 10 commandments. Exodus is their story from Egypt, out of Egypt. Leviticus is the law. God speaks to Moses and tells his people, hey, this is what I expect. Like, this is what you should do. This is what you should not do. This is what sin is. This is what's acceptable if you're in a relationship with me. And God says, hey, I know you're going to blow it, I know you're going to mess up. So when you do, here's a sacrificial system. Here's a way that you can cover your sin. And then numbers, numbers is them actually getting ready to go into the promised land. And then they blow it. Some of you know the story, like they decide not to pursue what God has for them. And then Deuteronomy is, is Moses recalibrates and they get ready to go into the promised land. And so it's this continuous storyline, but I want to read some scriptures here because there's something, a powerful principle I want to give you today is that It's just not the reality that you have a great opportunity in front of you. It's not just that God wants you to move out of what's comfortable, out of what's familiar, but God wants you to get a hold. God wants you to put your hands around. God wants you to grasp a preferable future of God's favor in your life, but there's something you got to do. But watch these scriptures real quick. Genesis chapter 12 is the story when God introduces himself to this guy named Abram. And listen to what he says. I want you all to read these with me. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I will. Come on, y'all gotta shout this. I will give. I'm gonna give this land. So he pulls Abraham out and he says, Hey, I don't want you to settle for home. I know you're living like mom and dad's paying the bills, and like right at this point, Abram's laying in the basement. He's like sleeping till the crack of noon. He's up all night gaming. God shows up, and he says, hey, Abraham, like, don't hang out with mom and dad forever. I have a preferable future for you. He says, in fact, I want you to look at this land that I'm going to give you. Abraham leaves, right? God raises him up to be a nation. All these things happen. You fast forward through four generations, and Abraham's great-grandson, Joseph, is in the, this place called the land of Egypt. And while they're there, he knows things are going to get bad. And at the end of his life, this is what it says. Watch this. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land. Come on, read it with me. To the land he, come on, y'all got to shout promised. Because everybody in this room, you have a promise from God that he's come to give you life and life more abundantly. And so he says, listen, to the land that he promised on an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So God tells Abraham, I don't want you to settle for your dad's house. Then God comes and says, hey, I don't want you to settle for being comfortable in Egypt. Keep reading. This is 400 years later. And because they've been in Egypt so long, the ruler of Egypt says, hey, I'm going I'm to make you some slaves because like you're great workers and refuses for them to leave. And so Bible says this, that God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and Jacob. This is so cool. Like just real quick side note that the Bible doesn't say they prayed. The Bible says they groaned and God heard it, which means you don't have to pray theologically appropriate prayers. You don't have to pray eloquent words to get God's attention. You can be in a situation where you are broken and hurting and just groan to God. And God hears the depth of the cry of your heart. God hears your brokenness. God hears the mess you're in. God hears when you're up to your eyes in it. God hears you. And he says, Hey, I remembered that I have a preferable future for you. And he sends Moses to be the deliverer. Now fast forward, watch this fast forward. They've gone. and He said, I want you to settle for Egypt. And they go into the wilderness right? Remember like they crossed the Red Sea, like dry land. Can you imagine like crossing on dry land, crossing the Red Sea? Y'all know the story, right? Cause it's crazy. They're standing on the edge of like, imagine like the Gulf and God says, you're going to cross on dry land. And Moses takes his staff. And I don't know, like to me, it had a lightning bolt on it. I don't know. That's just mine. He's like, and like the waves are like, and they're walking along. Can you imagine? It's like an aquarium. Like there's like, that's a stingray. Look at the stingray. But, like, there's no glass. They're like, you can reach in and get bit. First-hand 3D, amazing. They're walking through on dry land. They get to the other side. Pharaoh's army's pursuing them. The waves come crashing in. Drowns Pharaoh's army. Like, take that, Pharaoh. And it's this amazing moment. And then they're in the wilderness. They're no longer in Egypt. It's like they got a promotion. You know, God says, don't settle for the wilderness when I have a promised land for you. Don't settle for mom and dad's house when I have a promised land. Don't settle for Egypt when I have a promised land. Don't settle for the wilderness when I have a promised land. So here's what the Bible says. They're getting ready to go into the promised land. Send some men, this is God speaking to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am, come on, y'all got to say it, giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. And we know the story. They go in, they check it out. It's amazing. Like there's grapes as size as the big as your head. like, They walk out and they can barely carry the grapes. It's like, look at this. Like they're holding huge pomegranates. Like it's this amazing, like fruit fest, right? They're so pumped up saying, God's about to give us something amazing. Then Caleb says this after they come back with the report of how good the land is that God wants to give them. Then Caleb silenced the people. Come on, y'all, keep reading. Before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. We're going to come back to this word right here. I want you to take possession. Come on, let's go take possession for we can certainly do it. One more scripture. I know I'm giving you a lot, but I want you to see this story. They go in, let me back up. They go in, there's giants there, like they're like, man, there's no way we can beat the giants. There's no way we can fight our way through that. Like, let's just settle in here. Like, like the promised land looks great. Look at all the big fruit, but like, man, it's, it's too much of a fight. It's an uphill battle. Like, I don't know if we can have it. And so they decide to hang out there. And God says, listen, you're an unbelieving generation. And basically God says, you want the, you want the wilderness? Fine. Have the wilderness. And that generation, the generation of unbelief dies without ever experiencing God's best. Let me just say that again. They died without ever experiencing God's best. Like that grips my heart that I could die. I could leave this earth and miss having God's best for my life. And so Moses, Deuteronomy is him preaching a message of saying, hey, let's get ready. We're going to take a second run at this promised land thing that God's given us. And here's what he says. He's speaking for God. Look, I've given you, come on, y'all read this. Look, I've given you the land that lies ahead. Go in and, come on, say it. Go in and possess the land that I, the Lord, promised to give you, your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, as well as to the descendants. So here, here's crazy. I know I'm giving you a lot of scripture because I want you to see this. God keeps using these words. It's a gift, go possess it. It's a gift, you can have it. It's a gift, but go into the land. And like God keep saying hey i know you want to settle there but don't i come on i got something better like i don't settle there come on i got something better don't stay there i got something better for the relationship if you're here and you don't like the relationship you're in and that guy's treating you like garbage you need to hear god whispering in your ear. come on i got something better if you're in a dead-end job you hate your career you don't like waking up you don't come on listen god is saying, come on you got something i got something better I got a favorable opportunity for you, but you got to take possession. This word possess, possession is huge. Here's why. Because we think the word to possess something means to own it. It means so much more than that. The word possess means this. Y'all got to get this. The word possess means to drive out the previous tenants and take their place. What God is saying is, in order to possess something, you have to dispossess who was there first. See, because the land God was giving them, there was a bunch of people that were already there. And God says, if you want that land, you got to make sure the people are there or out. you got to make room for the new thing I'm getting ready to do. you got to get rid of the old so you can move in the new. That means you can't have the old relationship and have God's best relationship. You can't have your financial money management plan and have God's too. You can't have the marriage life's given you and have the marriage God wants you to have. You gotta make a decision. I don't want that anymore. I'm moving that out of the way so I can get what God has for me. There's a lot of you in this room. If I talk to you right now, you could quickly identify areas in your life where you said, I need to walk away from that. I need to quit from that. I need to let that go because I believe God has something better for me. But the reason most people don't have it is you've not possessed it see the parallel between God giving the nation of Israel the promised land and us as New Testament believers with God giving us new life are very similar in that we can never have it on our own it's a gift from God but God didn't just give it to us we have to fight for it how many people have ever heard the phrase God has a good plan for your life 100% true Here's the part that most people don't talk about. you got to fight for it. you got to plow through for it. You can never give up in fighting for the dream that God has for you. You can read through the Old Testament, through the Pentateuch, and you can re- keep reading about these battles they fought. And you got to say, God, why do they have to fight the battles if you gave it to them? Because that's part of the process of getting what God has for you is dispossessing the old, moving out the old so you can have the new. We flip properties for a couple of years. Anybody here watching any flipping properties shows? Like they've been on TV for years, and it's it's not near as glamorous as it looks. Couple of properties we bought. You walk into these properties and you're like, oh my god, people lived in this. Like you walk in a house and you can barely stand the smell. You walk in and there's like not carpet. Like we walked in one house and like you could not walk like one step without stepping on animal stuff. Like it's like, oh my god, someone lived in this but we would buy these houses at the court. We would go in. Uh, first thing that we would do is you go in the house, kind of check it out, find out what you needed to do to flip it. It was cool, easy money. If you want to do something, flip houses. And so we go into this one house, second house we bought. It was always kind of this like scary moment. It's kind of like me and my partner, we'd be like little kids going through these houses. Like you would break the lock or you'd have to break a window to get open. And they like, you creep through. And like, we're going through this house and I heard something move in the back room. I'd like to tell you that I was like a man about it. We're like, oh my God, you hear that? So I remember what we found, a curtain rod or something, but whatever it was, we were going to take care of it. So we're creeping through this house with like a curtain rod. It was a shower curtain. That's what it was. Like I'm going to kill somebody with a shower curtain rod. And we're creeping through this room. And all of a sudden this guy comes leaping out of a back room and he's got a baseball bat. Now I'm just telling you a baseball bat trumps a shower curtain. He's like, what are you doing in my house? And we're like, what are you doing in our house? Because we bought the house. He's like, this is not your house. My parents own this house. And I'm like, well, I hate to tell you, your parents lost this house. We bought this house. So we had to tell this guy, you can't live here anymore because this is our house. Are y'all tracking with me? He's like, I ain't going anywhere. This is my house. And first I'm like, I don't even know why you want to live in this stinky house, but you can't live here. So we told this guy, you got to go. We come back the next day. We knocked on the door. He comes back with a baseball bat. So we had to call the police and had to have, and some of you might think this is awful, but it wasn't his house. It was our house. We bought it. And we had to call the sheriff and have this guy removed from the property so we could move into the property and do something big with it. And I'm just here to tell you today that, listen, if you guys are here and your life is kind of covered up with broken relationships and careers you hate, and you're covered up with debt and discouragement and fear and anxiety, I want you to know that you can't settle for what's familiar. You can't settle for what's generational. You can't settle for what you've always had and what you've always known. Jesus came not to make you religious. Jesus came to give you a God-favored life in every area that you have. And so you can live the life you have, or you can choose a better one. But in order to have it, you got to possess the land. Which means you got to go and you got to fight To move old stuff out to make room for god to do something new And you fast forward all the way through right they get in the land They fight they write the walls of jericho come down they fight the city of ai they fight they fight But here's the thing even though this is this is the partnership you got to hear about They can never win these battles without god's grace and god's favor But god can never get what god has for them unless they're willing to fight God has a plan for your life, but God can never give you his plan unless you're willing to fight. And if you're willing to fight, God will give you the grace to advance, to pursue. God will give you the grace to get in opportunities. God will give you the grace to open businesses. God will give you the grace and the favor to get out of debt. God will give you the grace and the favor to have marriages and to raise kids. I believe that God's grace is all we need to overcome, but you've got to fight. And so advance. Moses dies joshua's the next general they go into the promised land they go through all these fights and then this scripture right here this is my prayer for everybody in this room who settled for something less than god's best when they chose to fight when it was all said and done so the lord god gave israel all the land he had sworn to give their ancestors and they took possession of it and they settled there you know where they settled? They didn't settle till they had exactly what God had for them. They kept fighting and pushing and plowing till they said, now we can settle. How many of you in this room have settled too soon? God has something more for you.